How's working from home been going for you? Remarkably Remote from GoToMeeting will help you succeed in today's new normal. In just three minutes or less, we'll share simple but helpful tips to keep you on track. From managing your motivation, workload, and relationships, to hosting and attending virtual events that keep you connected with your clients and colleagues. So check out Remarkably Remote. High in the air, Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 67 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. 67. We're starting to run out of numbers. This is the Sam Selman slash Roberto Gomez edition, which is not exactly a font of content. What'd you say? Do, do Well, it depends. Are we talking about Roberto Gomez, the reliever, or Roberto Gomez, the infielder? Uh, we are talking about the reliever uh, who got, let's see, nine appearances with the Giants over two seasons, which I didn't realize. Giants um, legend, Roberto Gomez. One of them was not last season, right? He was not a Giant last season? He was not. It was 2017, 2018. Okay. I know I know he was not a Giant last year because I nerded out and I was, I was, I was so determined and obsessed really with being able to go 100% on the Sporkle name, everybody who played for the 2019 Giants. Uh, that I can now do it successfully, and I know that Roberto Gomez is not one of them. Yeah, yeah, I need to do that quiz because the last time we d- we talked about this, there was a guy who who I didn't remember. The guy at the glasses, uh, Corbin Joseph, legend. Oh, Corbin Joseph. Yes, no, I I have a mnemonic device to be able to get him. Whew, that is the toughest one. I just cannot remember. He was on the Giants. However, we're going to talk about the 2020 Giants or the lack of the 2020 Giants and what that might mean for the 2021 Giants, the 2022 Giants. This is all about player development and what it means for a farm system, one that was on the rise, an ascendant farm system, to lose a year of development. Uh, you you wrote a great piece, and I encourage everyone to read it on The Athletic, uh, where you're talking to Kyle Haynes, you're talking to, to Gabe Kapler, and you're saying, what does it mean for Joey Bart? What does it mean for uh, Marco Luciano, Luis Matos, Seth Corey? Uh, it, it's, I mean, I think the one takeaway that everyone should have is that every team is in the same boat. It's not like the Giants are the only team that, that misses this year of development. Is that is that a fair way to put it? Yeah, I think that's a fair way to put it. And and in some ways, the, the Giants are better off being in development mode than a team like the Dodgers because, you know, the Dodgers, they traded pieces to get one year of Mookie Betts and they may get only a fraction or, or none of that. Um, you know, the... The, the the teams that have uh, players like Francisco Lindor and, and uh, um, you know, players who are sub uh, six uh, players, you know, Cody Bellinger, a great example. I mean, you're not going to get a better bargain in baseball than what Cody Bellinger was going to do for you in 2020. And, and, and now there is, you know, either no 2020 or, or a, a reduced uh, uh, amount, or even if you win the World Series, it's going to be looked at differently. So, um, in a way, the Giants are in a better position than a lot of these other teams in that they are in development mode. And yet at the same time, 
you know, yeah, they're in the same boat with every other team in that they can't really develop that talent. And and we've we've talked a lot about what major leaguers are doing, you know, hitting wiffle balls in their backyard, trying to find a way to retain their skills. But I think it's even a lot tougher without sort of that crucible of of game speed and competition uh, to create that aptitude and 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 uh, and and develop skills as opposed to just merely retaining them. So it's tough. It's it's really uh, caused a lot of conversations to be had among the player development people and the major league staffs of of all the teams. And you know they're trying to find out creative solutions and trying to find out what this is going to look like. And, and what, if any, sort of player development uh, gains they can try to rescue this year? Because it's, like you said, everyone is going to be, um, you know, struggling to develop players or move them closer to the big leagues, given uh, just everything that's going on. Now, while you were journalizing, did you talk about the technology that's helping these prospects and how widespread is it? Did you get a sense of like, you know, all the Giants prospects have X or 10 Giants pro- prospects have the virtual reality set up a hundred? I mean, I have no idea. D- did you get any sense of that? Yeah. I mean, I'm watching like Yandel Gustave's Instagram where he's, you know, playing catch across a road. Uh, you know, and, and, and actually the, the poor kid who's catching him looks like he's about 13 years old and is trying to <laughs> basically do the Homer Simpson through the bushes instead of catching the ball. Um, it's like, why don't you just throw against the wall? Does someone really have to catch it? Um, but, but uh, you know, maybe you ruined the baseball and he's only got so many baseballs. I, I think that, uh, you know, people are flung all over the world right now and um, they have different, you know, uh, tools at their disposal. And, you know, we talked to Mike Yastrzemski on the podcast a few weeks ago, and he's got a VR setup that he was able to purchase. And the Giants would like to give those to everyone, but they don't have it in their budget. They're pretty expensive. And you can bet if most big leaguers aren't aren't doing that or can't afford it, then you know that, you know, the, the, uh, the minor leaguer, um, especially someone who's an international player, uh, probably doesn't have access to that kind of stuff. Um, so, you know, uh, Gabe Kapler did talk about, hey, you know, if we can't create competition in a traditional sense, let's try to get these guys to compete against each other, you know, and and, and post your various uh, uh, times, you know, while wearing these K-vests or wearing these other um, uh, technological advancements. I don't know how many players in their system have them or how many in the big leagues have them, but, um, you know, I... I, I think that's that's great. It's better than doing nothing. But at the same time, I, I just sort of think if you don't have games, that's where you develop as a player, I think. And and it's just really hard to do that without without the competition. And to that end, if we're talking about the players most affected by the lack of games, would you say it's hurting uh, a teenager more where it, he's not seeing the, the professional curveballs or breaking balls that, that maybe he wasn't seeing when he was a much younger teenager? Uh, or would it be someone like uh, Joey Bart who really wants to hone his skill as a field general, as a catcher who, who wants to call games, who wants to frame pitches? Uh, or is it just see all of the above? I guess there were uh, 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 an archetype of a prospect who would be hurt more by a layoff. Boy, that's a great question. Um, I guess I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this. I my initial thought would be, um, uh, you know, there's no substitute for developing a catcher with the feel you have to have for the game uh, than to remove those games. Um, so I, I kind of feel like Joey Bart is is maybe the the right answer here, but you know, every answer is a right answer or a wrong answer, I guess. Um, so I don't know. What what do you think? 
Yeah, I go back and forth because I do think that the teenagers really need to. I mean, that is when you have, you know, it's like when you um, learn a foreign language when you're four years old compared to when you're 40. You know, you're going to pick up more when you're younger. It's just when you're a younger player, it's kind of like that where your neurons are going to be connecting a little bit more as you advance up the ladder. Uh, But at the same time, yeah, I'm going with Bart. Bart seems like a guy who... Not only with the catching and then behind the plate and, and all that stuff, but in terms of live pitching, that was sort of the concern with him. I mean, everyone, it's its such a lazy comparison to bring up Mike Zunino, and yet the more you dig into it, the more it really looks like that could be a good comparison to where you could have Bart with great defense uh, and great power to all fields, but maybe hitting 220 if he doesn't develop properly. And that's a concern. You know, I would have loved to see what he did in Sacramento, perhaps even seen him in the major leagues in 2020. And that's the one that really stings. I think when you get to, you know, the teenagers, whether it's uh, um, Luciano or someone like that, I think they'll, they'll get, they'll squeeze it in. They'll, they'll get their development in. Maybe, the, maybe there'll be some ill effects, but probably not over time. But Bart, I think, is the one that, that bothers me the most. Well, and, and, and this brings up an interesting point. I mean, what if there's no minor league baseball and maybe the best they can do is they're able to get complexes open to the point where players can scrimmage against each other or they basically have just a very, very extended spring training? And what if the only real chance to have meaningful competitive baseball on a professional level where you can develop players is at the big league level and they find a way to play in empty stadiums and everything they're talking about? What if that opens the door for a team like the Giants to say, you know what, we don't want to lose a year of service time for Joey Bart, but he's also 23. You know, in six years, he'll be a 29 year old pushing 30 year old catcher. So, what does that service time year really mean? So, if we can develop him in the big leagues and actually take advantage of this time, why not call him up? Why not have him be part of the major league squad and have him learn on the job because he actually could have a job. Now, you also have Buster Posey who's going to catch and there may be more double headers baked into the schedule. You may need a second catcher who plays more often because the schedule is going to be lighter, but it's going to be more condensed. So I, I broached that uh, question to both Kyle Haynes and, uh, and Gabe Kapler and they said it's too soon to talk about individual players. But the more I think about it, the more I think, you know what the answer is? You put Joey Bart in the big leagues. That's what you do. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Bags for GM. Bags for... No. Uh, <laughs> that, you do not what... want that. You do do not want... <laughs> it's... Uh, one of the telling things in your article that really put it in perspective for me was the idea of making this analogous to when a player misses a season because of injury. Because... When a player misses the season because of, I'm trying to think of an injury that doesn't necessarily have lingering effects, like Tommy John, you might not always come back from Tommy John, but um, when a prospect misses a year, I'm not thinking, no, the lost year of development, curse you, fates, like, that's, that's not the first thought that crosses my mind and maybe it should be I don't know but it, it's it's generally like oh man that stinks well you know I'll come back next year and we'll we'll just have to start over again and there's sort of like a uh, an accepted fatalism with that where sometimes prospects just miss a year and you're not necessarily thinking well that's it for him because his development's all all wonky now so maybe is it is it possible that I'm just sort of like overwhelmed by the scale of it all because it's happening to everyone should we maybe not be taking this as seriously as we are? Well, I, you know, I think about, I guess, the closest analogy I can come up with to what you're talking about is when you have a really good pitching prospect, 
like a Brent Honeywell, for example, with the Rays, and he has Tommy John surgery. And you're just like, okay, hit the pause button on that guy for a full year. And hopefully when he comes back, he comes back relatively similar to to how he was throwing when he got hurt. I guess, you know, Tyler Beattie is a little bit of a different example because he had some big league time. He's not one of those guys who's sort of seen as one of the top 10 prospects in the game uh, kind of people. But I mean, yeah, like like Kyle Haynes was was telling me in our chat, you know, right now to this point, Guys have missed, you know, about maybe six or seven weeks, and 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 guys miss that amount of time, um, you know, if they strain an oblique, uh, or or if uh, you know they they break a bone in their hand, like like Joey Bart did twice last year. Um, so you know, it's it's right now it's, they're they're not looking at a catastrophic amount of lost time, but they don't want somebody who they expected to get five hundred plate appearances to get fifty. Um, you know, if they can find a way to model. 200 plate appearances, and if some of that is in extended games or camp games, you know, and, and they're really kind of opening the door to everything right now, that nothing is off the table is, is the way it was described to me. And I, I even, this was my idea, so I don't want to, you know, over inflate the possibility of this happening, but I said, what if we get to a point where the most stable place to go is their complex in the Dominican, which we know is a brand new, beautiful complex. What if they send their entire minor league system there to play games against each other? And 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 Kyle Haynes' response was, well, you know, international travel would have to open up and the situation there would obviously have to be improved. But, you know, they have to look at every possible scenario. And yeah, if, if that were to be the case, that the Dominican would be the safest place, then they could take everyone over there. And maybe it would even be a good experience for a lot of the U.S.-based players to understand what it's like to go to another country where you don't speak the language and, and essentially work for six months um, or, or three months or two months or whatever it would be. Uh, so I, I just think they're trying to find any way that they can replicate uh, that experience because, yeah, it, it's not catastrophic if everyone's going through it. And yet, you know, I, I think we all kind of realize that the Giants were not going to measure, you know, the success of the 2020 campaign uh, by how many games the major league team won or lost, you know. So I, I, there's just a lot more that they were going to assess. And, and the development of that farm system and, and moving prospects through the ranks, getting people closer to the big leagues or arriving in the big leagues, I think was going to be what you judged their success on. And, and obviously that's really going to be difficult for them to do this year. And that was pretty far and away the best part of the, the the 2019 season was how many high notes that minor league system hit it was almost a best case scenario in a lot of ways for that minor league system where you had a breakout star and luciano where you had elliot ramos sort of he was that toolsy boomer bust kind of prospect and he just started booming and to lose that is that is what I was looking forward to in a lot of ways for the 2020 season. I wanted to see how they would fold in maybe a guy like Bart, maybe a guy like Ramos, uh, or a guy like Jelly into that that mix, kind of getting them their major league experience. But in general, it was sort of a wait until next year, wait until 2021. How are we really going to fold all these guys in? And that was, if you were going to be a Giants fan, that was going to be the most exciting part was this ascendant farm system. Was it going to keep going? Were we going to be introduced to, to new guys? I mean, we've talked about Sean Roby a lot just because we liked the way he looked in spring training. Were we going to get guys like that who suddenly blossomed and become and became the next uh, future of the Giants? So that's, I don't know, one of the biggest parts I think the 2020 Giants will be missing. Yeah, I, I would agree. And, and one thing that does help them is, you know, they aren't time shifting everyone's 
uh, contracts forward a year. So, you know, getting contracts off the books is going to be a big part of, of this whole thing as well. And, you know, you're not basically staring at, you know, another year of Evan Longoria and, and other people uh, who are probably not a part of their long-term plans. So, um, you know, at least they're making progress on, on, on that front in terms of just moving people off of the books. Um, but yeah, what you got excited about wasn't, yeah, payroll flexibility, woohoo! <laughs> you know, I mean, fans should not root for payroll flexibility. Um, and in a way, they've been sort of trained by management to do that. I think that, you know, you start by rooting for players and, and, and people to get excited about. And, and Marco Luciano is, is a player to absolutely get excited about. And for him to get closer to the big leagues this year was something that I think was going to bring a lot of joy and interest and, and attention. And, and uh, so, yeah, it, it's a bummer. It's, it's a bummer that, um, that all these guys are sort of waiting. But it's also a bummer there's only going to be five rounds in the draft. It's a bummer that there's a thousand kids who won't be drafted by a major league team. It's a bummer that a lot of these kids are going to stay in college as juniors and, and, and stay as seniors. And that's fewer scholarships for incoming freshmen. Um, you know, it, it's, it's the whole lack of opportunity. I think for a lot of people, it trickles down and, 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 uh, you know, there's, there's just a lot of, we're not through seeing all the impacts that this is, this is going to have on, on the opportunity for people to play baseball. And there's a lot of, I, I guarantee you that, um, and this is going to be impossible to disprove me, but there's probably going to be some players who could have been all-star type major league players that would, would have been fun to watch and people would have bought their jerseys and everything. And they're probably never going to get to play professional baseball. And when you think about it that way, that's, that's kind of a bummer. That is a, that's a real downer. Thanks. Pat. Sorry. Sorry. Sheesh. So, no. Sorry. Didn't mean to make you start day drinking today. <laughs> yeah. Today. Um, anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> the uh, one nugget in the article that I really, I, I want like a separate standalone feature on and listen, I'm not telling you how to do your job, pal. Oh, please. But- I need ideas. Please. <laughs> The minor leaguers, the international minor leaguers who are just kind of hanging out in Scottsdale. And, you know, we, we had to Kai Wei Tang, who decided not to go to back to Taiwan. And he's just in Scottsdale, you know, hanging out in a hotel room. And I want to know how many video games are they playing? Like, what is what is the, a day in the life of a, of a teenager slash early 20s kid just isolated in a hotel room because i'm assuming they're not hanging out by the pool and they're not you know running laps around it what what's their day-to-day life yeah i think they're at the courtyard marriott in scottsdale and um i as as far as i can tell that the gym is closed in the hotel so they can't use that i think they're just like running sprints and playing catch in the parking lot pretty much but you know we're talking about mostly players from venezuela who you know it wasn't really safe for them to return home given the situation happening in that country, which you know, is obviously heartbreaking. Um, there's a couple of rehab guys uh, who are based um, internationally elsewhere. I think mostly the Dominican. And then there's Kai Wei Tang, um, who the Giants got from the Twins, I believe, in the Sam Dyson deal uh, last year. And uh, he's from Taiwan. And he has stayed as well, uh, so so Kyle Haynes tells me. And I, I would imagine his Spanish is fantastic by now. Um, <laughs> But yeah, they're they're all hanging out. They, uh, I asked Kyle. I said, "How many exactly do you have? Is it like fifteen or 18? And he said, "It's right in there." I just know when we put in the food orders, we order twenty, <laughs> and and there's not twenty, but everything gets eaten. So, um, so yeah, you know, they're they're doing okay, and and they obviously are among a peer group, but they miss their families. Are worried about their families. They they want to play baseball. They're bored. Um, 
you know, yeah, it's a very unique situation. I mean, imagine imagine being on a road trip for work and instead of being recalled and going home, you just have to stay put, you know. I mean, and, and meanwhile, your families, you're worried about your families and many of them may be in, um, you know, in a country that basically has no economy um, going through all this. I mean, yeah, it's it's a lot to process. Let's pause to talk about hydrant. You want to kick the coffee habit, but you're worried about your energy levels. To avoid the morning sluggishness and that midday slump, you need to make sure you're hydrated. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. There's no synthetic colors or artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan, and you can choose between three different flavors or variety pack. And for 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code ATHLETIC for 25% off your first order. Drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code ATHLETIC. Now, I do have one follow-up question to that, and it's a very important question for a baseball writer. Are they getting Marriott points for every day they're there? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I I would guess that they are not getting Marriott points since the team is is covering their bill. But you know, maybe as a good faith gesture that they could find a way to make that happen. And uh, um, I, I I tell you what, there's a, when Marriott sent out their email that said, "Oh, you know, don't worry, we're going to confer your status that you earned for this year on to next year, no matter you know what travel you do." There, like the Slack channels on MLB. Uh, just lit up with like confetti, basically. <laughs> um, y- you have no idea how how important Marriott points are to sports writers. Um, so and 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 scouts too. I know one scout who had so many Marriott points. He said he was going to retire to the Spring Hill Suites in uh, Panama City, Florida. <laughs> No, it, it's a wild subculture, and, and I don't travel enough, and I never did uh, to be a part of it. And you know, so when I would, when I would book my travel, I was always looking for the best deal, or like maybe an Airbnb by Wrigley Field, stuff like that. And but the the subculture of Marriott points, uh, boy, it's fascinating. I, I don't remember who the writer was who basically like paid for his daughter's honeymoon in like a two week all inclusive resort uh, entirely in Marriott points. Is kind of like a sorry, I missed your youth. Here's uh, two weeks in this great <laughs> in this great resort to make up for it because this is what I was doing. And it's it's a fascinating subculture. Where where are you at? I, let's not get into it too much. But uh, where are you at? You you doing good with Marriott? Yeah, that's funny. I miss your whole youth. What's your name again? Here you're going to you're going to Aruba. <laughs> it was like that. I can't remember who it was. It's lovely. Try the scuba diving. Um, okay, you want to know? I'll tell you. Wait, hold on. Oh, I'm getting a user error. I'm gonna have. I'll have to get back to you on this. Okay, <laughs> I didn't want to get too personal, but I am uh, just fascinated with the whole cultures of Marriott points. Um, so, without all of, and I'm waving my arms around wildly, without all of this, which giant prospects do you think we would have seen this year? Do you think we would have seen Ramos? Do you think we would have seen Bart, uh, Sean Jelly? Who do you think was kind of ticketed for that promotion? Um, you know, I'll bet we would have seen Sean Jelly at some point. I think we would have seen Joey Bart probably around mid-season, um, you know, long enough so that he wouldn't uh, become arbitration Super 2 eligible. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think we would have seen Bart at some point. Uh, and it, it all would have sort of hinged on their performance. But you see teams just pushing guys to the big leagues faster because I think they're realizing that if they wait until they're, you know, trying to establish them at Mac Williamson age at 26, it's like, what's the point? We want six years of these guys being productive players. 
we're getting to the back end where they're going to be 32 at the end of that six year window. And, you know, and then, you know, basically the, the baseball's turning and burning those guys. So I think you're seeing this impetus of getting young, toolsy, uh, very athletic talent to the big leagues faster. And they've got more technology and more coaching. The Giants have a ton more coaching now uh, to be able to unlock that athleticism into, into usable skills. And I think there's a greater confidence of front offices that they can do that. Uh, so let's get the guys who run fast. Let's get the guys who have bat speed. You know, let, let's let's get those guys to the big leagues, and and we'll figure everything out with them. Uh, so I, I think that the Giants were right on on the uh, the cutting edge of 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 doing all those things that maybe they hadn't been doing in the past. And I think they were going to push a lot of guys to the big leagues. Maybe not Marco Luciano this year, um, but maybe Elliot Ramos if he shows enough proficiency to knock on the door. Um, the one other thing you have to keep in mind, I think, is that you know you can't add people too fast, and then you've 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 overloaded your forty man roster, and you take away the opportunity to claim a a player off waivers. Um, I, I and 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 Mark Craig and Andy McCulloch did a, a great feature, putting together an all star team of all players who were DFA'd or available in the Rule Five Draft, and I thought. Oh man, that's mean. You give Farhan that story, have him read it, and he's going to be like having withdrawal sweats halfway through. But but yeah, you you want some flexibility too. You don't want to load up that forty man roster with a bunch of of players that you can't take off. And if they put Elliot Ramos on, they can't take him off. So right. Um, so I think all of those decisions uh, are made sort of with 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 a lot of different factors in mind. But overall, I, I do think that the Giants were ready to start pushing some people this year. Now, give me a prospect. I'm going to give you one of mine, but a prospect who was not one of the big three, I guess, Bart, Luciano, Ramos, uh, that you were most interested in seeing, not in the major leagues, but in, in their minor league development. And mine, personally, was Will Wilson, who was the prospect the Giants basically bought for $10 million. They they got Zach Cozart's contract from the Angels, and as a reward for doing that, the Angels sent along their first-round pick, uh, 15th overall, and he really didn't do a whole lot in the minor leagues last year. It was just rookie ball because he had just gotten drafted. But in essence, the Giants bought another first-round pick in the 2019 draft, and I was absolutely fascinating to see how he would, you know, why the Giants were so interested in him, why they spent that money on him in particular. Was it just because he was the one who was available? Is it because they see something in him? Uh, I don't know. I was That was the one guy I circled and I said, let's watch and see what in the heck this guy does. Did you have a guy like that? Um, yeah, I, I guess my guys were, were more uh, people who are in the system already. Um, I, I, Kai Wei Tang, I was looking forward to seeing hmm. what he what he could do. Um, I I really like a third baseman. They have David VR, uh, who has you know stepped backwards a little bit, but you know when he first uh, played at Salem Kaiser, he just looked like a big league third baseman and uh, and has some power. Um, needs to make a little more contact, but uh, and and then Roby, you mentioned. I mean, you know what yeah. what he's been able to do. It's just every time. They throw him out there. He, he did something impressive. Um, and, and yeah, those are great stories. It's like those players have to keep proving themselves and keep proving themselves. And, and you know, one thing that Kyle Haynes said, uh, he said, you know what? We're going to find a way to get work for the Barts and the Ramoses and the Lucianos. Uh, they'll be okay. Um, the guys he's worried about are, are the guys who maybe had a good year, then took a step backwards and, you know, need to to play and have a good year this year. Just to stay in the system and not get released and um, or passed by, and 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 those players needed to have a good year. And now, when when they report to spring training next season, 
uh, with with more drafted players, with uh, with maybe fewer affiliates. Seems very very likely there's going to be fewer affiliates. Hmm. So even though they're going to draft fewer players, they might have a lot fewer roster spots. Um, you know, those players who needed to have a good year and didn't have that opportunity, you know, maybe out of baseball or maybe find themselves in an indie league if they want to keep playing. And uh, and I think Kyle Haynes was really feeling for players like that. And I don't know if a David VR would fall in that category. I think he's probably a little bit uh, um, uh, more advanced. But um, but yeah, I, he's one guy that I was looking forward to seeing. Oh, man, that's a good point. And to that end, how many independent leagues will there be? I mean, it's, it, I don't know the, the health of all these guys or the, all these teams and leagues, but I can't imagine it's good. I can't imagine that, uh, you know, the, the Can-American League or the uh, these independent leagues are able to just fling open the doors and say, we're back. I just, I don't know. It's such a mess all around. Yeah, I mean, and on one hand, you see a great opportunity for indie ball if there's a lot of players who want to play and they don't have an opportunity to play. But indie ball never had a problem getting players. I mean, it was always a problem of, you know, um, revenue and paying those players and, and getting people to come out to the ballpark to, to see them. And, you know, I have no doubt that there are current major uh, minor league franchises that are going to go under and uh, there are going to be other ones that are going to be eliminated uh, most likely. And some of those could transition uh, to indie ball. And, and one team that is on the list is the Salem Kaiser Volcanoes. And you know what? I, I, I went, I, I went there um, a year before last to see Joey Bart play and there's Joey Bart in the lineup. And you think there's no bigger draw the giants have had in terms of a minor league player, you know, probably since, you know, Buster Posey and, there was like 500 people in the stands. You know, he was not really drawing. <laughs> he was not a drawing card. Um, so I, I, I definitely don't want to see communities lose teams. On the other hand, there are a lot of minor league teams that really don't draw very well and really don't have facilities. I mean, Salem Kaiser is frankly a dump. Uh, it really is, and I, I, I mean that with with all respect. But you know, it, the situation is what it is. Their ownership has not put a lot of money into the team. Um, and do they deserve to, to, to keep their franchise? I, I mean, that maybe isn't the right way to frame the, the, the discussion, but I, I guess part of me is trying to arrive at, at the notion that it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world that the Salem Kaiser Volcanoes went away. And I, I, I hate to say that, but I objectively look at the situation and that's, that's sort of the, um, what I arrive at. Well, I hate that you've said it. So, so there. <laughs> I, I do have one Salem Kaiser story. When I used to uh, uh, live in Ashland, Oregon, uh, I was really, 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 really broke. And were those in your Shakespearean days? Those were, you know, I, I moved, I went to college there to be an actor, and it took a one stage lighting class to be like, nah, I'd rather <laughs> do drugs and be a history major. Anyways, um, so I, I, in. I went up to Salem Kaiser on a road trip, which I could not afford. And that's okay, though. It was, it was uh, Fourth of July weekend. We were all pumped up. It was with my then girlfriend, my now wife, and we stayed in some lice ridden motel. That's okay. We're just happy to be here. We went to the ballpark, and I swear to goodness, it was fireworks night. And it was sold out in a way that I could not experience minor league ballparks being, or couldn't expect it to be sold out. There were scalpers. There were scalpers out in front of this Volcanoes game. And we ended up paying way too much money. Because what are you going to do? You're up there. You can't just not go. So we paid scalper money to sit behind a post and watch a game. And that is my... so. To me, Salem Kaiser is this place where you just can't get a ticket. That, that's wow. how I experienced it. Wow. Yeah, I think I think the franchise has really had a downturn. It used to be a much bigger draw. Um, 
I, I, I'll tell you that when I was there as a fan uh, a few years ago, I happened to be there on Strikeout Meth in Marion County night. Uh, so that was exciting. Um, and I think Gaylord Perry was there uh, signing autographs one time. But uh, but yeah, I, I didn't have the same sort of uh, atmospheric experience uh, that you did. Uh, I still remember the that post. It's just a real, real prospect. I wonder if that post is in the major leagues now. I got a good look at that post. <laughs> this has been episode 67 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back on Thursday, and we'll see you then.